that our worship team sang that song. Can we give it up for them, by the way? But they do always a tremendous job because they, in that song, there is a wonderful line where it says, I will live my life in remembrance. And folks, really excited that we sang that song because that's exactly what we're going to be talking about today, living a life of remembrance of our Lord. Amen. And so let's give another shout of praise to our, great, to our great God. Hey, great to have you here. Happy 4th of July. Welcome. My name is Omar and I serve as the lead pastor here at Christ Fellowship. And I want to take the time to welcome everyone right now watching us online and also watching us at our local campuses at Doral, at Coral Gables, at West Kendall, Homestead, Redland, all of our campuses. In fact, family, let's go ahead and show some love to them right now. Thank you so much for being here. And today we are in our third week of a summer series that we've entitled uh, Living the Good Life. In the first week, we learned about living the good life of obedience. Last week, we learned about living the good life of sacrifice and worshiping God. And today, we're going to be looking at living the good life of remembrance. And so, uh, I'm excited and ready to dive into God's Word. I hope you are too. And so, wherever you find yourself, open up your Bibles to Mark chapter 14 and John chapter 8. And you can follow along with me as I read, all right? Listen to what God's Word says. And as they were eating, he took bread, and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to them. And said, take, this is my body. Then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank of it. And he said to them, this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. And then it says in John chapter 8, Jesus said, so if the Son sets you what? Oh, you can do a little better than that. If the Son sets you what? Yeah, if the Son sets you free, you shall be free indeed. Amen. That is God's word. You can go and take a seat, everybody, at all campuses. And you know, this weekend is 4th of July, and I got to tell you, it's one of my favorite holidays of the year. You know, I grew up in a little town here in, um, in uh, central northern Miami called Miami Springs, and they call it Little Town USA. And, uh, you know, they go all out on the weekend. You know, they all, they do vintage car shows. They have a wet parade that the whole community comes out and really just have a, has a great time. Uh, we all have barbecues everywhere. And at night, the whole community comes out to the golf course and we enjoy the fireworks together. And, you know, growing up, I remember one of my fondest memories was really running through that golf course with my cousins and my friends. It's just a really, really special holiday for me. But... Here's the thing, it's not only special for me, I think a lot of people really love the 4th of July because it's a day that we barbecue, we get in the pool, right, we do fireworks, and even though we're all busy doing fun things on the 4th, the reality is that this day was simply meant to do something very simple and very important, and that is to remember our national freedom. Now, go back with me to the year 1776, because at one point, our 13 young colonies, listen, they had enough from the British uh, Empire, and so they wrote this thing called the Declaration of Independence, signed by John Hancock and their founding fathers, 
And folks, from there, it ensued a war with Great Britain, which eventually led us to win our national freedom. Now, follow me here, because our founding fathers thought that this was so important that they memorialized a day in the year that every single American son or daughter could stop at one point of the year, right, and just remember the freedom that we enjoy. But here's the sad part. Throughout the centuries, throughout the decades, many people have forgotten what the 4th of July is all about. In fact, they just see it as just another holiday where they watch fireworks and have a good time. In fact, take a look at what some people think the 4th of July is all about. What country famously broke away from England to start their own country in the late 1700s? I have no idea, man. I'm, I don't know. <laughs> what are we celebrating on the 4th of July? Exactly? Our independence. A little more specific. It's the day that we overtook the South. And it's the day that, um, it's our independence. It's, that's why we have the fire. From the South. From the South, exactly. So it was the victor of the Civil War? Yes. Fourth of July? Yes. The Declaration of Independence was signed by who? I don't know. Just name one person. Um, Abraham Lincoln? <laughs> I don't know. Sorry. Not? What year was that Declaration of was Independence? Was it 1964? <laughs> 1864? 1884? 1884? I don't know. No. 1864? 1864? I don't know. This is country. No wonder this country's in trouble. Okay. We declared independence from a certain country, which is why we celebrate 4th of July. What country was that? I have no idea. You're going to be celebrating, though? Yes. But you don't know what you're celebrating. <laughs> you're right, you're right. That's tonight's homework. Okay. Hey, you know, you know, it's funny. He's like, I don't know what we're celebrating, but we're going to celebrate it. Right, but folks, do not, do not miss the point because even though our founding fathers created a day in a year that we would stop and remember our national freedom, for so many people, it's just another holiday. It's just another day of grilling and fireworks. And folks, let me just bring that over to our teaching for today because what a picture of what could happen to us in our lives. And by that I mean that just like our founding fathers created a day for us to remember our freedom, yet it's easy for us to forget it and just see it as just another day, just like that. And here's the big idea as we dive into God's Word. Our Heavenly Father, throughout history, has created, a specific, has created specific moments for His people to stop and remember the freedom that He offers us. But unfortunately, if we're not careful, it can be very easy for the children of God to not really understand why we stop and remember and just see it as another religious ritual. It's just another thing that we do at church. It's another thing that they do here at church and we just go through it. And we forget the weighty moment that those moments are. So you may be wondering, well, Pastor, what exactly have been those moments 
throughout history that our Heavenly Father has created for us to stop, breathe for a moment, and remember. But we're going to find out from Mark chapter 14, all right? So if you have your Bibles, turn to Mark chapter 14. You can also fire up your Christ Fellowship apps there. You can follow along. You can write, fill in the blanks and all that good stuff. And today I have two thoughts for us on the moments that God has created for his people, all right? So write this down as point number one. The Passover was created to help Israel remember their physical freedom. Now let's go to the passage for today and listen to what it says. It says, and on the first day of unleavened bread, which is a feast that they had, when they sacrificed that Passover lamb, his disciples said to him, where will you have us go and prepare for you to eat the Passover? And so he sent two of his disciples and said to them, and said to them go into the city and a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him. And wherever he enters, say to the master of the house, the teacher says, where is my guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And then he will show you a large upper room furnished and ready. There prepare for us. And so the disciples, they set out and went to the city and found it just as he had told them. And there they prepared the what? Yeah, the Passover. Now, let me just stop right there and let me set up the scene for us. Because as we start winding down the Gospel of Mark, uh, we find ourselves currently in the Passion Week. Now, last week, we saw that Pastor Carlos taught us on the fact that on that week, there was a woman who came and sacrificed all that she had to anoint the Lord. And we saw that what she was really doing was anointing him before his death. But today, we're going to see in the passage that we're, that, we're look, that we're going to be looking at, that we're going to see that in this Passover meal, the Lord is going to help the disciples understand the significance of his death. Now, this Passover meal took place on the Thursday of Passion Week. Now, let me give you a little context of what's happening here. Because if we can show a map right here, the northern uh, Jewish people, those who lived around the Sea of Galilee, celebrated the Passover on Thursday. Now, because Jesus and his disciples were from this area, they celebrated this on Thursday. Now, the Jews around of Jerusalem, down in the southern portion, they celebrated on the next day on Friday. Now, both were accepted, both were legitimate, but there was a very significant and important reason why Jesus celebrated it on Thursday. And a little bit later on in the teaching, I'm going to help you understand the significance of the Lord uh, observing it on Thursday. But for the Jewish pe people, this dinner was, uh, had tremendous significance and was very special to them. So let me just give us a little context of, of what a typical Passover meal would entail so that we have an understanding of what that meal would look like. So usually they would get about 10 to 20 people, maybe two or three families together. In this case, the disciples were 12 and Jesus, and he had some other people, so it was a perfect size. And so the people, the families, would kill a lamb on Thursday at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. 
And then the, after killing that lamb, they will begin to roast it. Just like many people in Nochebuena, right? They get that pig and they get it ready for that night. Just like that, right? So at 3 p.m. on Thursday, they kill that lamb, like the passage states, and then they begin to roast it. Now, when the evening came, it was time for dinner. And so they would gather everyone together around the table, and then they would begin to enjoy the meal. And throughout the night, they would sing certain songs. And the songs that they would sing would be from Psalms 113 through 118. So when you read the Bible from Psalms 113 through 118, those are the psalms that they would sing at different intervals throughout the night. But church, the, the main topic at hand at every single Passover meal was the people remembering, discussing the Lord's Passover. Now, you may be wondering, well, what exactly is the Lord's Passover? Well, let me just give us a little history lesson so that we can understand exactly what they were remembering and talking about because the clear understanding that we have of what they were discussing and what was being celebrated, the more we will understand the significance of this moment. So go back 1,500 years before that. And what we see is that the people of Israel were in captivity, were slaves to the people of Egypt. And so at the beginning, things started well, but after 400 years, it became very, very burdensome. So the people began to cry out to the Lord, and the Lord heard them. And we all know the story, right, that the Lord sent this man called Moses to them to deliver them. And so when Moses confronts Pharaoh, Pharaoh does not want to let the people go. And so the Lord sends nine different plagues to really hit the people of, of, of Egypt, hit Pharaoh, but still, he would not let the people go. And so the Lord then sends one last and final plague to eventually break the heart of Pharaoh. And so listen to what happens in Exodus chapter 11. It says this. It says, so Moses said, thus says the Lord, about midnight, I will go out in the midst of Egypt and every firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die. There shall be a great cry throughout all the land of Egypt, such as there has never been, nor ever will be again. So here's what's happening. God was going to bring judgment on every single person, on every single family in the nation of Israel. And so if the people of Israel wanted to be protected from the judgment that was coming on everyone on, in, in Egypt, Here's what they needed to do. Write this down as letter A. First of all, an unblemished lamb must be killed. That was the first thing. So, so listen to what the Lord said. So tell all the congregation, all the people of Israel, that on the 10th day of this month, every man shall take a lamb according to their father's house, a lamb for their household. Your lamb shall be what? Without blemish, that's important, without blemish, a male a year old. And you may take it from the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep it until the 14th day of the month. And when the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill their lambs at twilight. And so here's what they would have to do. The father of each household had to go out to the sheep pen, and he had to select one perfect little lamb. And he had to be a year old, a male, and he had to be unblemished, a perfect little lamb. 
And so here's what he would do. He would go out, he would select that lamb and bring that lamb into the home. And you can imagine, right? Because at that point, the lamb will begin to live with the family for several days. And if you have kids, you know how it works. The little kids start liking the lamb. They start naming the lamb. They start patting the lamb. They want to feed the lamb. They want to, they want to get close to the lamb. And so the lamb for a while becomes almost like part of the family. But then on the 14th day, what the Lord had commanded was to take that lamb out and that, he, that the father must, have, must kill that perfect little lamb. And you can imagine, this was traumatizing for little children, right? Because they've got an affection for the little lamb. They love the little lamb. But essentially, what had to happen was that the body of that lamb must be broken and must be killed. And so once the lamb's body was broken and killed, then at that point, the blood of that lamb played a very important part. In fact, write this down as letter B. It's because the lamb's blood shielded them from God's judgment, from God's judgment. In fact, listen to what it says next. It says, and they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and the lintel of the houses in which they eat. For I will pass through the land of Egypt that night, and I will strike the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and in all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgment. I am the Lord, and when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt." So family, here's what would take place. Every single father of each home, right, when he would go out and he would kill that lamb, here's what he would do. He would get down close to the lamb and he would gather some of the blood from the lamb. He would put it in a little container, kind of sort of like this, and then he would go outside of his home to in front of his, of his home and he, here's what he had to do. He had to go and he had to start putting blood all over this, all over this, of this door. And so that was just, that became a bloody door, right? Everyone walking around, you would see blood all over the door. And family, just as God had promised, his presence went at the right time throughout the land of Egypt. And as he was going through, he was taking the life of every single firstborn. You know, if I would live in the land of Egypt, listen, I would be, I'm a firstborn. I, my life will be, have been taken at that moment. But, but, but here's what happened. So when the Lord would, would go through all the streets and all the land of Egypt, and he would see a door, right, a family, a household that was covered by the blood of the lamb, here's what he would do. He would simply see that blood, all that lamb, and he would pass over and continue to the next home. And so family, just as God had promised, he went and he took the life of the firstborn, eventually broke the heart of Pharaoh, and Pharaoh let the people of Israel go, and they gained their freedom. So you see, the reason they call it the Passover is because the Lord passed over those who were covered by the blood of the Lamb. And so family, since this was such an important part, moment really, in the life of the nation of Israel, Listen to what the Lord said in Exodus chapter 12. He says this, So this day 
shall be a memorial day. In other words, a day of remembrance. And you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. As a statute forever, you shall keep it as a feast. And so church, listen, for 1,500 years, yeah, 1,500 years, they celebrated the Passover faithfully. Like I said, listen, this was a big deal. It was like Noche Buena, Thanksgiving, and 4th of July put together into one, right? So this was a very special occasion for them. But you see, here is what the disciples did not know. Because a monumental transition was taking place at that very moment. You see, this was no ordinary Passover, but rather this was the last legitimate Passover. And here's why. It's because the very next day, the true Lamb of God that would die for the sins of the world would die on that cross. And so that was the last true legitimate Passover. You see, for 1,500 years, every time that they selected a male, perfect, young lamb, unblemished, perfect lamb, it was pointing to the fact that the true lamb of God would be a man without sin, perfect before God. And when, they, and when they got that blood and they put that all over that and that blood shielded them from God's judgment back on Egypt, folks, listen, it was pointing to the fact that those who are covered by the, by the blood of the true Lamb of God will be protected from the eternal judgment of God. And you see, family, this, this is how significant every, for 1,500 years, every single time, it was pointing to the fact of the true Lamb of God. Don't you love that? And church, you remember earlier how I told you that Jesus celebrated the Passover on Thursday and not on Friday like, like, the, like the southern Jews? Well, here's why that was important. For there's two reasons. The first reason is because it was fitting that Jesus would observe all righteousness before God. And so he had to observe the Passover, and that was on Thursday evening. And so he, he fulfilled all righteousness due to that. But here's the thing. On the next day, at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, what we see from Scripture is that at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, Jesus would be crucified, and he would be dying on the cross, the true Lamb of God will be dying on the cross for the sins of humanity. And family, here's why that was important. Because remember, at that moment, when Jesus was dying on that cross, at that very moment, at three o'clock, the Jerusalem Jews were sacrificing all their Passover lambs. And so folks, as Jesus is being nailed to the cross, you can literally hear the lambs of all the Passovers being killed at that very moment. And so what an amazing God we have that he would design it, that at the moment that Jesus Christ, the true Lamb of God, was dying for the sins of the world, you can hear all the Passover lambs being slain at that very moment. Don't we have an amazing God? Amen. And so family, not only was this the last legitimate Passover, 
but it was also the first official Lord's Supper. In fact, write this down as big number two. The Lord's Supper was created in order to help us remember our spiritual freedom. Now, don't miss this. Because if, if just like every Jewish Passover, right, was looking forward to the true Lamb of God, every single time that we take the, Lord, the Lord's Supper, we are looking back and remembering the sacrifice of the true Lamb of the Lord. And family, the sacrifice of Jesus not only gives us forgiveness of sin, but it also gives us freedom from sin. See, this is why Jesus said in John chapter 8, he said, so if the Son sets you what? Ah, oh, a little loud on this 4th of July. So if the Son sets you what? Free. Yeah, if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. See, family, it is because of the sacrifice of Jesus that you and I are not only free from the eternal consequences of sin, but we're also free from the bondage of sin. You know, unfortunately for many people, they come to church or they watch online and, you know, they go through their Christian life, but the reality is that in their mind, they think they are still in bondage to certain things. For some of us, it's bondage to maybe an addiction in your life. You know what addiction is, what that addiction is in your life. For some of us, it may be a, maybe it may be a sexual sin. For others, it may be a lack of forgiveness of someone in our life, of a family member, of a friend. For some of us, we think we're in bondage to our anger, to our greed, to our envy. And for some of us, it may not even be something right now that you're dealing with, but it may be something in the past that you did that you are ashamed of. And every single time you see that, that flyer, every single time you see that billboard, every single time you see that one thing, it triggers that memory. And you feel the shame of that one thing you did. But child of God, listen, let me remind you today that when Jesus Christ died for your sins, he not only died to give you forgiveness of sin, but to break the bondage of sin in your life and to free you from that shame. And so sometimes we got to understand that sometimes we're living in a, in a reality, we're living a life that's not fitting to the current reality in our lives. And you know the sad truth is that for so many people in this world, for every person in this world who does not have a relationship with Christ, who has never put their trust in the Lord, their faith in the Lord, who've never tasted forgiveness of sin in their life, the truth of the matter is that they will never overcome sin. That they will always live in shame. Now think about that. They can mask their sin. They can change the way their sin looks, but then they'll never be free from sin. They'll never be able to overcome the shame of their sin. Because it is only through Jesus Christ and the Spirit of God Listen, that we could overcome sin and freeze us from the bondage of sin and shame. Amen, church family? And so for some of us, listen, you are a free child of God. Start living like it. 
Start living like the, like the son and daughter of the living God who Jesus Christ died for you to set you free from your sin. You need to start living like who you are. You don't have the shackles. You don't have the bondage of sin anymore. Start living like the free son and daughter that you are. You know, but for so, for so many of us, sometimes we just forget the blessing of that freedom. And just like so many people forget the purpose of the 4th of July, sometimes when it comes to the Lord's Supper, we forget the real reason. We just see it as just another church ritual, another church activity that we do. But the reality is that the Lord created these specific moments for you to stop in your busy life and remember what he set you free from. And so because it's such an important moment, there are two critical components to the Lord's Supper. In fact, write this down as letter A. The bread reminds us of the cost of freedom. In fact, listen to what happens next in the passage. It says, and as they were eating, he took bread, and after blessing it, broke it, and gave it to them. And he said, take, this is my body. You know, just recently, I was in a group chat with Ashley and her family, and we're all discussing kind of Fourth of July plans. And her dad made a statement in the group chat that really just made a significant impact on me when I read it. And he said this. He said, freedom is not free. Think about that. Freedom is not free. See, just like it cost the lives of so many of our founding fathers in order to set us free and become a free nation, listen, just like that, but in a much greater, significant way. Listen, the freedom that we experience today as the children of God wasn't free either. It cost the life of the Son of God, perfect and without sin, and his body was broken for us. And so when we take the Lord's, the, the bread, Listen, it's meant for us to stop and remind and remember that freedom is not free. That Jesus Christ had to break his body, die, so that we could enjoy this freedom. And then the cup is also very significant. Write this down, letter B. The cup then reminds us of the guarantee of our freedom. In fact, listen to what the Lord says next in the middle of this Passover dinner. He says this, and when he took a cup... And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them and said to them, and they all drank of it. And he said to them, this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. And so, folks, notice that word, the covenant there. Because every single time that we drink the cup, what we're remembering is because Jesus Christ shed his blood for us took the, the, the punishment for our sin, the Lord has now made a covenant with us that those of us who put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ and not longer put our trust in our own good works, in our church attendance, in our little ritual we did when we were little kids at a church. And for those of us who come before him and put our trust and faith in the life, death, and resurrection of Christ, God promises that for those of us who put our faith he not only forgives us of our sins, but gives us everlasting life. 
You see, that is the covenant that God has made for you and for me. And so if you're watching right now one of our campuses or online, and you're trying to figure out, you know, what is this whole thing of church? You know, how does this whole thing with God, listen, it's not about church attendance. It's not about, uh, it's not about how hard you try. It's not about the good things you do. Listen, it's simply about putting your full trust and faith in the Lord. Surrender your life to the Lord. And that is what the Lord said, that the moment you do that, he forgives you of your sin, and you start a relationship with God that will never end. Amen, family? And so listen, that is the simple way that you can start a relationship with Christ. But here's the thing. Just like that Passover, if you remember, right, for 1,500 years, that was temporary. Can I remind you that the Lord's Supper, what we do here at church, is also temporary? Because listen to what the Lord says as he concludes this dinner. Listen to what he says. He said, truly I say to you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it in the new kingdom of God. Amen. See, what the Lord was saying is that when he tasted the fruit of the, of, of, of the vine in that day, he was saying, listen, the next time that I will taste this again, will be in the coming kingdom. See, when the Lord returns at his second coming and he brings judgment, he's also going to establish his kingdom here on this earth. And folks, the book of Revelation tells us that once he comes and establishes his kingdom, all of God's children, everyone that's called on him on the name of the Lord will gather around the Lord for what he calls the marriage supper of the Lamb. And we're gonna gather for a feast with the Lord and we're gonna see the Lord for the very first time again Taste the fruit of the vine. And folks, isn't that going to be a glorious moment when we're all with the Lord? Amen? What a glorious day that will be. And so folks, let me just end with this. You know, during the 4th of July, if you've ever gone to a sporting event, you know that at the beginning, they always start out with a national anthem. But towards the end, they always do something that's very special. They always time the end of the national anthem with a flyover of some of our fighter jets. And so if you have never been in a stadium when that happens, listen, I, let me show you a quick home video of how that moment feels like so you can understand a little bit of, what, of that moment. In fact, take a look. Whether you're in the stadium or you just watch her right now, you know, when you hear that sound, when you hear the, the powerful jets of those fighter jets just going right over us, it gives you chills, doesn't it? Because there's something so powerful about that sound. In fact, if you were to ask someone in the military, oftentimes they'll say this, that sound that you hear when those fighter jets fly over you, 
That is the sound of freedom. Why? For, because for every American son or daughter, every time that we hear those fighter jets fly over us, it reminds us of the strength of our country. It reminds us of the protection of our military. And it reminds us of the guarantee of our national freedom. But you see, for the son or daughter of the living God, the sound of freedom is not the sound of fighter jets flying over us. For the, for the son and daughter of the living God, the sound of freedom are nails being nailed to the cross. For all of our sin, for all the shameful things we've ever done, That is a sound of freedom because it reminds us of the love of our Lord. It reminds us of the strength of our Savior. And it reminds us of the eternal freedom that we have in Jesus Christ. Amen. And so church, as we end today, listen, it's only fitting that we take the Lord's Supper together, right? And so in order to get us ready for this moment, uh, if you're watching at home right now and at home somewhere, I want to encourage you right now, go, if you don't have the elements with you, go to your kitchen, wherever you need, go grab them, gather together with your family to get ready. Or perhaps if you're one of our campuses and when you came in, you did not receive the Lord's Supper elements, uh, and if you, right now, if you don't mind, just slip up your hand and somebody from guest service will come and they will just give you the elements quietly if you don't have it, but I want to be sure that you have it. And by the way, if you are somebody who's new, new today, who you're just kind of checking things out, you're not really a believer in Christ yet, you're just, you know, you're just here visiting. Listen, we're glad that you're here, but I'm going to ask you for this moment just to let the moment pass and just enjoy that moment because the Lord's Supper, as we studied, is meant for those who've already put their faith in Christ. And so I want to encourage you, if that's you, just enjoy the moment while we observe the Lord's Supper. You know, because it is such an important thing that we do as a body of Christ, the Lord always wants us that before we stop and remember that we go before the Lord and that we confess any sins in our, in our life. In fact, listen to what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. It says, whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner, he will be guilty concerning the body and the blood of the Lord. So let a person examine himself then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. And so what the Lord wants us to do is that before we take the Lord's Supper, that we just stop for a moment. And if there's anything in your life that you know you need to confess to the Lord, that you need to acknowledge before the Lord, let this be a moment that you do so to So let's spend about a few moments by ourselves, bow your heads, close your eyes, and just talk to the Lord and just tell him whatever's in your heart and confess any sin before him. Lord, we come before you as your children and we acknowledge, oh God, 
Lord, that we have sinned, oh Lord, that there are things in our life that we need to confess. And so, Father, as a body, as a church family, as your sons and daughters, we come together and we confess those things in our lives. And so now it's time to take the Lord's Supper. And so, if you don't mind, go ahead and take the bread out and from your packets. And I'll lead you in a moment for you to indicate when to take it. But we're going to spend a few moments now. And what we're going to do is we're going to simply stop and reflect on how the Lord's body was broken for us. That sinless, perfect Lamb of God was broken for us, was killed for our sake. So take a few moments just to remember that. And then I'll lead us in taking the bread. Take a few moments. God, we come before you and we stop and reflect on your body. You did not deserve it. You were perfect. You were sinless. But yet you willingly gave your life for us. You gave your body to be broken, to be bruised, to be beaten, to be nailed to a cross for us. So Lord, your children stop now and we remember. Go ahead and take the bread. So we saw earlier in the teaching, the cup is meant to remind us of the guarantee of our freedom, the covenant that when we put our faith in Christ, we can rest and we know that we are forgiven of our sins and have everlasting life. That's the covenant that God has made with us. And so go ahead and take a few moments now and just reflect and thank the Lord that because of his blood shed on that cross, we now have a guarantee of a freedom for all eternity. Take some time to reflect on that, and then I'll, end the, I'll lead us to take the cup. My God, we are just so grateful, Lord, that you've made this covenant with us, Lord, and uh, as we take the cup now, Lord, we reflect and we thank you, Lord, for always upholding your covenant, the promise you made to us, not only today, for all eternity. So, Father, as we take the cup, we now reflect and remember the blood that was shed for us. You may take the cup. So, Father, your children at all campuses right now and online. Father, as we remember your body being broken, as we remember the blood that was shed on the cross, the one thing that we realize is how good you've been to us. My God, you have been so, so good to us. And so Father, as we conclude today on this 4th of July weekend, Father, we don't, we don't celebrate as much the freedom that we have nationally, but Father, we celebrate, oh God, your children, the freedom that you have given to us. And thank you, oh God, for being so, so good to us. We love you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name I pray, and all of God's people say, amen, amen. Hey, 
Well, listen, after remembering, it's only fitting that we now sing to our God and we tell Him, Lord, You've been so, so good to us. So stand up with me at all campuses and let's worship like never before. spiritual freedom amen well hey Christ Fellowship man thank you so much for being here. I'm gonna call all the campus pastors to the front and church families you go out and enjoy this wonderful day never forget of the freedom that Christ has given to us amen I love you all have a great great weekend